What's up? It's Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports, and I've got a special episode of the podcast for you talking about the 75 hard program, and I'm so incredibly excited about this. And joining me to jam about this, he's the founder of Euphoria, an active lifestyle brand based around the pursuit of happiness. He's part of an accountability group I'm part of. He is also a friend of mine. Say hello to Brendan Pettit. Brendan, super excited <laughs> to have you, my friend. Yeah, man, excited to be here. I wanted to tell you too, I didn't tell you this at the beginning, but you're actually popping my podcast cherry. So I appreciate that, man. I've never actually been on a podcast before, so happy to be here, man. Which is super exciting because you're also taking the podcast course that I created to create your own podcast. So hopefully this builds some great momentum for you. Oh yeah. So the reason I wanted to do this episode is because you and I just completed Andy Frisella's 75 hard program and 75 hard is one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And I want to help others on their journey by sharing our experience and talk about what we learned to help them along on theirs. Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Let's jam. And what I want to start this out with is actually plugging our social handles because uh, there's a big community on Instagram of people doing 75 hard. So you can hit me up on Instagram at Rob underscore Cressy. Uh, where can people connect with you? Um, I'm on Instagram as well, uh, at Brendan Pettit, uh, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-P-E-T-T-I-T. Cool. Uh, and the re reason I mention this is because if you have questions, thoughts, tips, you want some encouragement, hit either of us up because it is a big part of the 75 hard community. Yeah, absolutely. So let's frame it with this for anyone who may not be familiar. What is 75 hard? And 75 Hard is a mental toughness program created by Andy Frisella. And if you're not following Andy Frisella on Instagram, I highly recommend it. Or check out his podcast, The MF CEO. And he does an entire episode about 75 Hard and why he created it. And the, the things that stand out most to me from his episode is you want to own the mental conversation with yourself. That's what 75 hard is going to teach you. It's going to help you push past the point of being comfortable. Uh, you're, going to you're going to achieve states of mental toughness. It teaches you to, to say no and to be disciplined. And really, you either want to be great or you don't. So 75 hard is a skills development program, and you have to earn this. It is not easy, and it's going to turn you into the best version of yourself. Is there anything that I missed that you'd like to add? No, that's pretty much it, man. That's a good summary. <laughs> so let's start with this. What is actually included in 75 hard? So for 75 days, you have to do these five things with zero compromise. And I'm going to say that again, zero compromise, which is the hardest part about this. So number one, you have to work out twice a day, 45 minutes inside, 45 minutes outside. And so that's 90 minutes total for 75 straight days. Number two, you have to follow a diet with no cheat meals, no alcohol. 
You get to create the diet yourself. Number three, read 10 pages of a personal development book. Number four, drink a gallon of water. And number five, take a progress picture every single day. And you have to do that every day for 75 straight days with zero compromise. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So let's start with this. Why we decided to do it, and I'll start with why I did, because I think it's going to then springboard to you. Why did I decide to do it? And initially, I wasn't interested in doing 75 hard. So I'm part of uh, Andy and Ed Milet's Arte Accelerator. So I'm a big proponent of uh, learning from Andy and what he's gotten. We put out this 75 hard program. I was like, you know what? This just doesn't interest me. I get it. Uh, it was, I don't know, um, April or May around there. And I was like, it's cool and all, but it's just not for me right now. And I've done a lot of things. I'm training for races, half marathons and marathons and doing obstacle races and things like that. So doing uh, discipline type challenges is nothing new for me, but this was something that it just didn't interest me. But then I was sitting on a beach in Sarasota visiting my wife's family and I listened to the podcast again and I was like, why do I not want to do this? And as part of being part of the Arte Accelerator, there was a live event and there was a lot of people there who were doing 75 hard. So there's just chatter about it. And I was like, man, why don't I want to do this? And I was like, well, you know what? Uh, the thought of not drinking alcohol for 75 days as the summer's coming up, that doesn't really appeal to me. Uh, the lifestyle I live in Chicago of summertime shy, uh, we live in the West Loop. There's just tons of awesome stuff going on. Following a diet and not drinking, that doesn't appeal to me. And then I really started digging a little bit deeper and I was like, but, but why? And I was like, why am I being a bitch about this stuff? And the thing that resonated so much with me for what Andy said is, if you go all in on this, you will become the best version of yourself. And I was like, why am I being a bitch from not becoming the best version of myself? So I just sat there on the beach thinking, and I was like, all right, I'm not ready to commit yet, but you know what I am willing to do? Buy a water bottle. Because I was actually really freaked out about the gallon of water because I was like, that seems like a ton. I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna drink a gallon of water. So that was actually the biggest concern I had. And I was like, all right. So I bought a water bottle off of uh, Amazon. And I was like, all right, I took the first action step. And then uh, I hit up a guy named Matthew Lawrence, who's part of my Arte group. And I just asked him a few questions and he wasn't doing it. But I just sort of like consciously said, hey, what do you think about some things? And he gave me some encouragement and then I asked my wife, I was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? She's like, yeah, if you want to do it, you can. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm on vacation right now. I'm going to start in three days. And that is literally how it happened in my thought process. So going to you, how did, why did you decide to do it? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely concur with a lot of the stuff you were saying. I mean, it sort of hit me like a wave at one point. I mean, I watched you. Uh, and Ed get into it. And Ed's also a guy that's in our accountability group. And, um, you know, there was just something pulling at me. I, I, I had had progressions of weight loss. So I, I had been 240 at one point and then dropped down to 215 to 215 to 205. And 
you know, like all of those take a certain amount of discipline to a certain extent, right? But some of it was a little bit easy. And then similar to what you were saying, the lifestyle, right? That spring and summertime feel, you want to get out, maybe drink some whiskey, some beer, eat some barbecue. It was real hard to just go and commit all in to something like that, right? So I think, I mean, with, with you guys posting about it too, was a really big sort of just push for me. And I was like, you know, I had to ask myself those tough questions. Why am I not doing it? Why, why am I just, I want to be here, but I'm just making all these excuses of why I can't do it or why I don't want to do it. And it really just came down to lack of discipline and just lack of like ultimate motivation to just do it and get over that hump to get down to the weight that I wanted to be at. So, I mean, really you posting and starting to post about it got me probably over that hump and I'm like all right these guys I can run with these guys let's let's commit let's do it and like you know let's get the job done get over this hump I was tired of it <laughs> tired of the excuses all right me too so now we've committed to doing it so let's share what the mindset is like at the beginning because what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to break things down we're going to share tips from our experience so if you're thinking about doing 75 harder you're currently doing it we're going to help you along by saying these are the nuggets that we learned that can help you. So in the beginning, uh, for the people who were doing it already, they just said, just start doing it, like just doing it, commit. And I didn't buy into that because I knew if I was going to start and commit to 75 hard that I needed to plan because following a diet while I was a conscious eater, I wouldn't say that I've ever really followed a diet. So I knew I had to understand how am I going to physically eat? And if I don't plan this out and how am I going to get my workouts in? So my mindset was, all right, in the three days before I'm going to start 75 hard, I'm going to try and give myself the best routine that I can because I'm so routine oriented. And I knew that with this, I was going to go all in. Andy says, if you go all in on this, this will change your life. And when I mean all in, I literally mean this was the number one priority in my life. I prioritized this ahead of my business. And granted, it didn't mean that I was neglecting my business. It meant the number one thing on my mind from the second I wake up until the second I go to bed was completing 75 hard. So the first thing was planning. I've got to make sure that I know what in the world I'm doing this. And then I truly went all in. What about you? What was your mindset at the very, very beginning? Yeah, for sure. I mean, as someone that struggled with organization and calendar planning, that was my number one focus was like mapping out how I'm going to do this. Um, I had the luxury too of I sold my car about a month or two before and had a bike. So that was sort of part of the outdoor workout. So that kind of covered a piece, which actually made me more excited to jump in because I was like, look, I'm, I know I'm going to check a box here and then I can, I just have to plan the rest. And then, you know, it all kind of came together um, through the calendar and me just really being disciplined about my calendar and trying to get better about time blocking, making sure I had made time for these certain tasks and, you know, made it happen. So. So let's break down each of the five tasks that we had to do every single day and how we accomplished them. And I think what I would like to briefly do is frame what our routines looked like, then we'll dig even deeper into how we executed it. So for example, for me, I was like, all right, if I'm going to get this accomplished, 
I need to knock this stuff out as early as humanly possible because there was no, I'm not completing this. This is hard as crap. So I'm not doing this twice. So because of it, I decided if something's important enough, then you'll find time to do it in the morning because there's no, there's never an excuse in the morning. And it's something that's been part of who I am for as long as I've been an entrepreneur. So I actually had a leg up on a large majority of people because I already woke up early and I was already pretty disciplined, but I needed to go to a next level. So I was waking up at 4.59 a.m. in the morning and I would immediately drink uh, a 16 ounce glass of water while I'm reading for 20 minutes. And I would set a timer for 20 minutes and I would get my 10 pages done there. And then 5.45 would hit and I actually would do something before the, I would go to bed and lay my clothes out for the workout. So now, boom, my workout clothes are there already. I just put my workout clothes on and I walk out the door at 5.45 a.m. to do my two workouts. So the first one was always the outdoor workout. And traditionally, I did, uh, we'll, get, we'll get into that. I did the outdoor workout for 45 minutes. Then I did the indoor workout for 45 minutes. I would get home and at that point, it would be 7.30 in the morning, and I would drink eight ounces of a protein powder with water, and then eight ounces of a green supplement with water. And while I worked out, I brought a jug of water with me. 16 ounces when I did my outdoor workout, 32 ounces when I did my indoor workout. So literally by 7.30 in the morning, I'd done my pages, both my workouts, and I drank at least half of my allotment of water every single day. And then boom, once that happened, I wasn't stressing about the rest of the day because all I really had to do was drink half of my water and do my diet, take my accountability picture, which, oh, by the way, I would do when I was working out because that was part of the process. And that's how I made it, air quotes, as easy on myself as possible, even though none of this is easy. I'm curious, yeah. what did your routine look like? It was a really, really similar, especially in the morning. Um, I didn't do both of my workouts in the morning, but the way I did, I woke up at the same time, about 5 a.m., um, got at least a glass of water, just chugged a glass of water, 16 ounces or more, um, did some reading. So I usually take the train in, hang my bike up on the train, take the train down. So I had optimal time, 15 to 20 minutes to read on the train. So a lot of times I would read then. Um, and then I would stop at a certain point on the train way before uh, my, uh, my office and I would get off and ride a couple miles in. And then that makes me have to ride a couple miles out. I don't have to, but I always made sure I rode out to the spot that I got off on. And then I would extend that obviously throughout 75 part two just to make it harder. Um, and then I would get to work and, and I have these 16 ounce glasses here and they're all over my house too so i never they're on my desk in my office and everything so i was i'd be checking on a pad every day how many glasses i've had and usually by 12 o'clock similar to you I, I had pretty much a gallon in by 12 um just running back and forth to the bathroom <laughs> um and then in the afternoon so like if, if i mapped out my calendar and i couldn't and i knew that i wasn't going to be able to squeeze like a gym session in um one big thing that I found was Beachbody has like 22 minute workouts that are like, like army, military, hardcore, like cardio. And like, it's great. 
And I would do those either once or twice um, with the biking if I couldn't make it to the gym. And then obviously if I, if I could, I would, I would try to make it to the gym, play some basketball, lift, whatever the case. Um, and then what else? The, uh, I guess, yeah. And then the ride home, obviously got another set of the outdoor workout in. I would always get at least 45 minutes in of riding, um, regardless. I mean, rain or shine, the whole thing. Um, any days that I wasn't going into the office, I would either do the beach body or go to the gym at some point during the day. So like, I always tried to map it out. That was the hardest thing for me is mapping out when I was going to work out, especially because I don't have a car and, um, you know, I have to ride everywhere. So that was very crucial to the timing of it all. All right. So let's break down then by each of the five things and we'll keep the workout theme going. So twice a day, 45 minutes inside, 45 minutes outside. And the biggest challenge of this is that you have an hour and a half every single day that you absolutely must do this. And for me, because I prioritized it, I wanted to get it out of the way. But the weekends or when you're traveling or things like that, it became very difficult because, boom, you've got to put that in. So looking at my outdoor workout, I did one of four things traditionally. Walk, shoot basketball, uh, play tennis, or do running. And the majority of the time, it was walking to get things going. And you really learn your relationship with weather. And specifically, so I did it, what would be, I think I started all of May, all of June, and then uh, I ended like July 5th. So whatever that would be. And it just so happened in Chicago, it was rainy as crap for like two months straight. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden, because we're working on this mental toughness thing, rain no longer worries me. Like it's raining outside. There I am, it's 5.45 in the morning and I'm putting on a windbreaker and I'm walking in the pouring rain because I'm like, whatever. And one of the things that 75 Hard teaches you is that conditions are not always optimal, but you still have to live in action and put in the work. So because of that, it's like, boom, you make that happen. And for me on the basketball side of things, uh, I just love shooting hoops. So it's actually a great way for me to enjoy the workout. And one of the things that I ended up learning, which has been a blessing, is the, the intention of 75 hard is one of the best things that you learn. You become more intentional about everything. So with the walking, you're like, all right. And, and this takes over the course of 75 days to learn some of these things. But I would always listen to a personal development podcast, either Andy Forsell's MFCEO or Ed Milet's podcast or Tony Robbins or something like that, get my mind going correct. And all of a sudden, I started to enjoy walking because there's nobody else out there, especially if it's raining. There is like no one on the road. And now I love to walk. It's an opportunity for me to think and get away and be outside. So that was my outdoor workouts. And then the indoor workouts, a big thing that happened immediately, probably day one, so I'm like, all right, if I have to work out for 45 minutes or I get to work out for 45 minutes every day, then I'm going to hit it hard because the last thing that I want to do is do a mental toughness challenge and be a little bitch when I get in the gym. That is not <laughs> happening because yeah. if I'm going to do the work, I'm going to do the work. So I went back in the day um, for my younger years and found this book that I have of men's health exercises. And there's this beach body workout. And it was tough as crap. 
I was doing like four sets of four for two weeks and then five sets of five and then six, six of six, all the way up to seven of seven of these exercises every single day. And man, it was putting in work and that's not easy when, so I would get there at 630 in the morning, having just walked in the rain and it's like, all right, time to go to work and pay those dues. And right. man, that mindset, that got me going there. Uh, the other thing is I also did yoga. So I was probably lifting five days a week doing yoga one or two because it is a lot on your body. It really yeah. was. So I needed to be limber. And then the last thing was I used the Nike fitness app. It's a free app you can download. They had good ab exercises. I actually used their yoga uh, for that. And to this day, I still do it. So is there anything else that you would like to add about your indoor or outdoor workouts? Yeah. I mean, uh, outside of, uh, sell your car and buy a bike. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think that's basically find a way, you know, it's, it's, there's plenty of, of apps and resources and workout videos. Like I have an Apple TV at the house and they have tons of apps where you can download workout videos and all sorts of stuff. They're really, especially if you're indoor workouts, there's definitely not an excuse. And you know, you know, you're going to get used to the, the climate and the weather changes. And, and to your point, like you, I, it doesn't really affect me anymore, especially being in Portland, you know, the winter season, when I started, we were sort of finishing out going into spring, which is, it's pretty rainy every day. Like it's, even if it's just a mist, it's, you know, that's basically what my first month was, was me just riding in the rain the whole time. So it's not that big a deal, but yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head, man. Like just, you got to set your standards of what you're going to do. You got to also know that your body's going to go through a lot in this. So you got to know, not necessarily when to slow it down, but you got to know when like a hardcore stretch workout is, what needs to be done versus like going and lift seven days straight. Like it doesn't, it, it won't happen. You won't sustain that. Especially if you're a little out of shape when you get started, you're going to have to take the time to do that physical therapy, that yoga, that stretching. It's essential, especially for me because I've had shoulder problems, all that stuff. So yeah, for sure. And, and I'll reiterate that it is body maintenance was a big thing. So for me, uh, I'll even look at, uh, I was doing squats and deadlifts and straight leg deadlifts. And I didn't do max, just maxing out on those because I knew that at times I could have back issues. And with this being 75 hard, my larger goal was to complete this, not to become a power lifter. So right. body maintenance is extremely, extremely important. Know your limits and sure you're going to hear us. We pushed ourselves to the limits, but at the same time, maintain your body, especially if you're lifting, don't always just max out because if all of a sudden, if, if you injure yourself, which thankfully at no point during this, did I injure myself? Um, it's a real big benefit. And Oh, by the way, 75 hard is not a physical challenge. There are physical benefits to it as we're talking about the workout, but this is a mental toughness challenge is all about the mindset. Mm -hmm. it's so, a consistency right like it's it's all about the consistency of just doing it over and, and to your point you don't want to injure yourself and then put yourself out halfway through the game you gotta you gotta be sustained you gotta be consistent throughout so yeah it's a great point man all right number two and this without a doubt was the hardest thing for me follow a diet no cheat meals no alcohol so everyone says rob what diet did you follow 
So for me, I'm like, all right, I've never really followed a diet in my life. So I've got to figure this out. And I was like, all right, no fried food, no sweets, no chips. And then after that, I'm going to be intentional about what I eat. So I'd look at something and say, is this something that someone who is following a diet and intentionally eating, would they eat? And I do want to note, diet to me does not mean losing weight. Everyone has different goals. And Andy says that. For me, one of the challenges was actually keeping on weight because the amount of activity that you're doing, uh, I'm a naturally lean person to begin with. So I was actually concerned that I was going to lose too much weight, which is something that I did not want to do. So I actually had to be very intentional about increasing the amount of quantity of food that I ate. The problem being, what is that food? So looking at what are the foods that I ate within this diet? So a lot of meat, whether it's chicken or steak, those are probably the two big things. Um, a lot of fruit. So the big winners were I would always eat a banana when I'm reading and drinking my water in the morning. Uh, avocado toast became my new love. I have literally eaten more avocado toast in the last three months than I have in my entire life. And up until then, I'd never even eaten avocados other than guacamole. Um, nice. I found uh, beef jerky nuggets. That, that was really good. Um, for me, peanut butter and honey from a sandwich side of things. Uh, I like that. So that was probably as close as I got to what you would consider something sweet. Uh, apricots were a big thing for me. So I would bring them with me on my morning walks. So one thing that is important is because I was working out early, so I had the banana and I'm drinking water, but now I'm burning fuel. So I needed to replace that, especially if I'm going to go lift for 45 minutes. So I would bring a thing of apricots with me on my walk. So boom, now I've got something. Um, peppers were big for me and then eggs and then on the snack side of things as well, raw nuts with dried cranberries. So I made my own little trail mix there. And that was really my entire diet. And that is actually the biggest challenge of it is even though I planned and was very intentional about what I was eating, I didn't know what else to eat. And like I looked to try and find meals and stuff. It was just a big challenge for me because uh, – We'll get to the things that were difficult about this. T talk to us about your diet. Yeah, um, a lot of the same. Um, basically, you know, we already had a meal prep service, so we use HelloFresh. Um, and Jesse happens to be vegetarian, so a lot of my diet, especially when I was at the house, had to consist of not having meat. And I was going for losing weight anyway, so that was kind of easy. But um, a big thing for me is I was already on the intermittent fasting kick. So that sort of made it easy to eliminate a meal already. I didn't have to worry about breakfast. So I would go in and um, maybe have like matcha tea or something like that in the morning. But the, I didn't, I, I put a lot of emphasis on getting good snacks at the office. Cause I, I tend to, if there's nothing around, I go find something. And then if I, if I leave it up to chance, I'm probably going to get something sweet or like, you know, just it, I had bad habits with that. So I got a lot of like the trail mixed up, like you're saying, almonds, fruits, things like that at the office um, and at the house too. Thank God for Amazon Prime now because I think I use that at least two or three times a week when we've, we've run out of fruits or protein or anything like that. 
Um, on the vegetarian note, if anybody is vegetarian that would be starting this, um, uh, Vega Protein is a really good um, uh, all-natural, I guess, vegetarian protein, a greens-based protein. Um, I did a lot of that with fruit, a lot of protein shakes. Um, and then really setting the standards on what you're not going to do, right? Like you have to have your absolutes for what you're not going to do. Like a big thing for me was like mac and cheese or pizza or fried foods or any of that. And some of it's obvious as far as cheat meals, but you really have to set the standard of like, this is absolutely what I'm not doing. Not even like the sliver off the corner of somebody's plate when you're like, you have to be totally absolute about it. Um, or else you're going to fall into that sort of, well, you know, maybe just a little, or I know myself well enough to know that I would cheat if I give myself that inch of, right. I'll, I'll take a mile. <laughs> so you have to be intentional about it. Um, but yeah, the meal prep, uh, service is great. I would, I highly recommend doing something like that. So it's sort of like, at least for three days, four days a week, it, it just takes that sort of out of mind and, and prep, especially if you don't have a lot of time. Um, yeah. And from there, just set your absolutes of what you're not going to do. <laughs> and with the planning side of things, this is imperative because if you don't plan, you will get to a time when you open your fridge and it's seven o'clock and it's time for dinner and you go, holy crap, I have nothing that I can eat in here. And that's a reality. If you don't go to the store to buy it ahead of time, you have nothing to eat. And that's where you really learn on this side of things. Uh, you mentioned shakes. For me, uh, what was important is that I started uh, taking a protein supplement. So uh, I wanted to support Andy in first form. So I bought the protein that they have, the whey protein, and then the greens that they have is the Opta OPTI greens. And it's more something that helps your immune system and energy. And I buy into it. And it was just an easy way for me to get in uh, two more ounces or two more eight ounce segments of uh, water with that. One thing that I did throughout this journey, which I recommend as a tip is every day, or at least for the first 47 days while it served me, I would write down a log of things that I noted from 75 hard. One of them that I created was free food I passed on. So <laughs> these were things that I consciously, people gave me for free that I had to pass on. Get mm -hmm. this, day one of 75 hard, I go to a meeting which was at a bar and Lagunitas is there. And they're like, we're giving out free beer today. He's like, do you want one? And I was like, you won't believe this. I'm not drinking for the next 75 days. I have to pass up on this free beer. And they're like, what? So beer, free beer was one, cheesecake. So I was doing a 17 mile bike ride with Mrs. Bacon. And in this city uh, in Chicago, there was like this Buckingham Fountain or something. And there's the electric company and some other crap. And all of a sudden there's just a free cheesecake stand. They're like, Hey, do you guys want a free cheesecake? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, there was pizza and sweets and alcohol pretty much everywhere. Uh, working out of WeWork, they always give out free food on a daily and weekly basis to build community. Um, I was on a Southwest flight to Orlando, and what did they give out? Ritz Bits with cheese, those crackers. If you were to say, what is the number one cracker that an airline could give you? Ritz Bits with cheese would be at the top of my list. Couldn't do that. Yeah. My, one of my favorite restaurants in Chicago is a place called Monteverde. It's got the best Italian, the 
uh, gnocchi pesto they have is out of this world. And Mrs. Bacon's like, I actually got uh, invited to go there for a tasting charity dinner for two of us. Do you want to come? And I was like, oh, my God. And, and by the way, I live across the street from there. And, <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this. And this may have been day 50 or something because she's like, well, why don't you just pick and choose? I was like, if you're going to take me to my best restaurant for Italian and they give us a seven-course menu of tasting – I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, we went out to dinner at a place called For Formento in Chicago. I kid you not. They they messed up something with our group's order. They brought out six free desserts, all chocolate cakes and pies. So I'm at a table with eight people, and all of a sudden they bring out these gigantic cakes, and I'm like, "You have got to be kidding me!" And then lastly, I was at a wedding reception. And they had loaded baked potato desserts and booze. So this is the reality of 75 Hard, where I know you and I joked about creating a vision board of foods that we were looking forward to eating because oh, yeah. the, the anxiety or the FOMO of not eating pizza and chicken wings is real. Uh, yes, so real, man. Dude, I, and I'll, I'll share a couple stories like that as well. So I, I, uh, I went home, uh, I'm originally from Atlanta and I went home to see my friends and the whole weekend was like a sports field weekend. So like day one, night one, I go to a Braves game. And so like we're at a Braves game and like, I can't have beer. I can't have any of that stuff. So I have to pass on all these things. People are, of course I'm home to see my friends who I haven't seen in months. So they're all like, let me buy you a beer. Let's do shots. Let's do this. And so we're just at the Braves game. Of course, we go out afterwards, not drinking, not eating poorly. That was tough. Night two, we go to the Atlanta United game, which is rowdy. We get a whole suite, which is like, and everybody pitches in, buys bottles. They got vodka. They got gin. They got beer. I mean, it's like unlimited anything. And then they bring in this whole platter of cookies and set it right in the middle of the thing. So I'm literally just out like by the field the whole time not even in the suite half the time because i'm just like this is just too much for me to handle right now like it's everything i want like you know i want to see the soccer game but i want all this beer all this all these cookies everything and then the the second story is the craziest one because jesse uh her birthday was in july and we ended up going to vegas and we sort of did like a hybrid business and and birthday trip and uh, with the business side of things, um, some of, uh, you know, my, my friends and acquaintances in the, in the e-com business were doing, you know, night at the club, bottle service, the whole thing, like, come on. And so I went through multiple nights of bottle service and, you know, the Vegas partying, just totally stone cold sober. And uh, that was also interesting just to be able to see everybody and what, how the night progresses, like from like that step back point of view um so i can relate man like there were so many situations i mean even just down to going over to jesse's parents right and they they know i'm on this program but they're still making like barbecue and mac and cheese and all this different stuff and i'm over here eating like salad and water you know so so many stories man like and it happened at least once a week twice a week where i'd get tempted with something pizza whatever um I did want to do a shout out too, just because I know she'll probably listen to this, but Jesse was a huge support 
and all this because mostly she plans a lot of our meals too, especially at night. So she was super, super supportive and helpful. She even did the first 30 days with me before her birthday, of course. Uh, and that was super helpful because it really helped me gain momentum and propel me to like get the consistency and things like that and keep gaining momentum. And, and then once I was after day 30, I was just off to the races and I was able to sort of stay consistent, do that. And she knew what I was going after. And like, I wasn't budging after 30 days because there were a couple moments where she was like, well, you know, and it's like, no, like, no, absolutely not. Once she saw that, she was like, okay, I get it. Like, I'm going to help you with this. <laughs> uh, so let's briefly touch on that point there. So there will be bogeys all around you at all times for you to lower your defenses. And it's not meant as a malicious thing. It would be as simple as, hey, do you want to try this food? Or, oh man, it's not bad. These, these chicken wings aren't X, Y, Z. Like they're, they're thinly veiled, nice, but then you're like, you have to say no. And what this 75 hard teaches you is to say no because you say my goal in this is to become the best version of myself and my number one goal is to complete 75 hard and as part of that uh eating that chip is not part of what i'm looking to do so you have to consciously be aware of that and i think this is actually a, a nice little segue to you mentioned the alcohol and the not drinking for me that was actually a very easy thing to do uh the, the challenge, of course, being I'm around it all the time. So when going into 75 hard, I wasn't going to, yes, I changed my lifestyle, but I didn't become a hermit. I didn't not go out. I didn't not go to dinner. I didn't not go to the bars or the games and the things like that. You just have to say, listen, I'm not drinking and it is what it is. And for the first two weeks, that was a challenge for me because I didn't know how to not have a beer at a bar because I've literally since I've been 18, since I went to college, I haven't gone a week without drinking a beer. And the thing is, I'm not a, I'm not actually a huge drinker anymore. I'm more of a casual drinker. So I'm not getting blackout drunk, but going out and having three or four beers while watching the Cubs yeah, that's a normal thing, or even having one beer. And that's the thing. You can have zero beers when all you want is one beer. So, moderation is not a thing. Right, <laughs> moderation. Exactly. I've adopted moderation out the window right now. So right. because of it, it was actually easier for me. So what I really had to figure out, and I remember I was kicking it with my man G Hunt uh, for happy hour on a Friday. And it was the very first time. And we got to the bar. and. They're like, oh, what do you want to drink? And I was like, I don't know what I can drink. And then I'm like, well, what do you have non-alcoholic? And you know what I ended up drinking? Water. But here's the thing. I've already drank a gallon of water today. I don't want more water. So I had to learn to what can I drink. And the, the big victories from the non-drinking side were soda water with lemon or lime. Or the real big one was cherry. I was like, ooh, give me some of that cherry juice. Tastes fantastic. That was phenomenal. Uh, I probably drank more soda and water, soda water with lime or fruit than at any point in my entire life. 100%. Like that is exactly what I would do. And it was, it was super funny because the first time I basically ordered like a Shirley Temple. <laughs> like 
<laughs> drink with like a lime in it or something. I was like, God, I feel like such a bitch right now. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I know what I'm doing and I'm no, I know what I'm doing it for. And it, again, the uncomfortability was good because you just, you have to do things that you're not normally doing. You're not used to doing. And I loved, like, I ended up loving that piece. And I sort of embraced it as I went through it. And, but I could hundred percent relate, man. Like, we joked about this too. Is like the 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 sparkling water, like the flavored sparkling water, <laughs> became like soda or like beer. Like when you crack one open at the end of the day or something, it's like almost like just coming home and cracking open a beer or something. Um, it it was such a blessing to have that as sort of the mix uh, outside of water. So <laughs> it's super funny, man. Coconut Lacroix literally tasted like champagne. I'm like, oh my god, this tastes so good. <laughs> Yeah, it was hilarious because we we probably went through at least eight or nine different varieties of sparkling water just so there was like this variety and I could switch it up and like, I don't know. And Jesse's a big fan of sparkling water too, so it was really cool because she'd always have it flowing through the house. So that was a savior. I think you agreed with me on that. It's like we, that was a, a savior of mixing it up with water because water was hard to do at bland, especially a whole gallon of it per day. <laughs> it became tough after a while. So one thing I want to share about the being in the bar culture or lifestyle. So as part of this, because I'm getting up early, uh, especially on the weekends, like I've got to hammer this stuff out. So being out until one or two in the morning does not serve me. That is not going to help me accomplish my 75 hard goal. But try and do that around your friends when it's like, hey, it's Friday night, it's 75 degrees in Chicago, and everyone's like, boom, this is gonna be so much fun. And for me, uh, once, usually I think 11 o'clock was the thing where I'm like, all right, peace, I'm out, and I would bounce. And you have to be comfortable in yourself of knowing what you want. And one thing that I learned from 75 hard is that I no longer cared about what anybody thought about me with anything that I was doing. And it's a beautiful thing for you to learn. It's like the next level of self-awareness when you're like, listen, I'm on my own thing. And it's cool that I've been out with you guys for the last few hours, but it's time for me to get home because guess what? You're not going to be up at six in the morning tomorrow working out for an hour and a half and I'm going to be and everyone else will be hungover and that doesn't serve me. So right. I very quickly learned, listen, I'm peacing out, I'm good, and no one the next day is going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe Rob wasn't there from midnight to two. They go and do their own thing. Don't worry about what other people are thinking or doing. Do you. So that's, that's a real tip for the people and the, the, the lifestyle side of it. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say too, I mean, once you sort of set those absolutes and, and you, you, know, you set your standard of what you're going to do, I, I found even even those everybody's have has those friends that are gonna hound you until the last minute, right? But even those guys, once you really set the standard that you're not gonna do something, especially when I went home to see my friends or whatever, first of all, I walked in the door and was like, I'm not drinking this weekend. Like so I set the standard right up front. And then as as the night progressed, as those events happened, you know, you'd sort of get offered by the same people you told that to. But by the end of the weekend, they knew where your your line was. And most of the time, um, I got so much praise from that, just, just sort of setting the standards. I got so much respect, not so much praise, but I got so much respect from my friends that I was willing to sort of not compromise, have that discipline and things like that. And I think you'll find, I don't know if you had that same experience, but most people sort of like 99.9% .9 of people 
sort of turned around and was like, man, I really respect what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like I can appreciate it. And it was, and then they sort of just let off um, after you set those standards. So I don't know if you had that same experience, but it was, you know, great to just set it and just keep, keep strong, keep strong. And um, yeah. That's what I saw. 100% the same experience. Uh, I did feel an overwhelming support from my wife and my friends, even though there is the natural, hey, we're guys, we give each other crap for everything that we do, regardless of what it is. But at the same point, everybody knew the jam that I was on. And as it went on, it wasn't really a thing because uh, I'm just this stone wall that comes in. So they can just throw everything. I mean, it just, it's not even registering in my brain. Right. 100%. The alcohol thing too, wasn't that hard. I mean, that was probably the, the easiest absolute for me. Cause when you walk into a bar, cause there's a, a place I like to eat at that has really good salmon and stuff like that. And they have, but they're a brewery. So like, you know, walking in there, I was just like, no water. And then as soon as the bartender knew I wasn't going to get a beer, he would just be like, okay, water. And then it just became like a natural thing. So if I went and ate there, I would get salmon, green beans, and like maybe mashed potatoes or something like that. But that was, that was it. You know, like it was easy. So yeah, once you set those standards, most people respect those boundaries after a while. You only have to say it once or twice before they're like, okay, I get it. Uh, last thing to add with this, I would still rock koozies with me when I was drinking the Shirley Temples and the water and all that stuff because it's part of who I am. So I'm the only person out there rocking a koozie with a bottle of water, which- uh, You're good. Uh, <laughs> well, I was gonna say too, uh, to add on to that, because one thing I didn't add to this is, I did this about 30 to 40 days into the diet part of it. I added in um, like a heavy vitamin pack. Um, I don't know if you saw sort of a deficiency, like in just like the energy and things like that, but I did um, after about 30 or 40 days. And I ended up going and getting first forms vitamin packs, um, like their men's vitamin pack. It has like, I mean, probably eight different things or something. Um, And that really helped uh, to sort of, level me up because my energy levels from just consistently going every day, every day, every day, it was tough. Um, and I wanted to ask you too, with the water and working out every day, did you see after at least the first week, did you see an increase in your energy just from the water itself? Um, like in momentum and in, in your stamina, things like that. So this is a great segue to number three, drinking a gallon of water a day. And The answer is yes, slash, it's part of everything. So the way that I conceptualized the water, there's a lot of things in life that I take as truths based on when you hear them. If you do this, this just works on you, like uh, cold water therapy actually helping your immune system. Do I know how that actually works? No, but I still just do it because... Tony Robbins is like, this is why we do it. And you see enough people doing cold water therapy that you're like, all right, I believe in this. And Andy's like, listen, the gallon of water, there's an intention for every single one of these things. Your skin is going to be better. You're going to have more energy. You're going to hydrate more. So really the answer is, well, why do you feel more energy when you drink more water? Because your body's more hydrated. And especially with us doing it right in the morning. And this is something I read, I believe it was Aubrey Marcus's book. And it changed my life and how I start my day. He said, when you go to sleep, your body becomes dehydrated. So when you wake up in the morning, 
If you drink water first thing, you're immediately going to see a difference in your energy because you're rehydrating your body. And previously, I would wake up and drink uh, a coffee, which is a diuretic. So now all of a sudden, my body's on a different cycle. Now, boom, I'm drinking a water first thing. And now I'm really stacking water, drinking half a gallon before 7.30. Boom, my energy levels, throwing in those greens there at the same time with the protein. And it's like, boom, say hello to turbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what I would do. I mean, obviously, we were, we were on the agreement with the uh, water first thing I would drink. And sometimes I would drink two glasses because depending, um, depending on how tired I was, I, I knew that I would need a little bit more. So I would just keep chugging, keep chugging. Um, and then the cold water therapy, I, yeah, we haven't talked about this part, but I had other habits going like cold water showers, um, things like that. And then obviously the calendar planning every day, which were really helpful on days where I was like sluggish, where, especially before I got the vitamin packs or things like that, there were days, and I know that you can relate to this, where you wake up and be like, oh my God, I just, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, right? Like you just have that mental and you just have to push through, push through. Um, so that was really helpful. Cold showers are definitely something I would recommend. Obviously not on 75 parts list, but um, it, it's helpful for sure. It helps so you get through it. Keep it and we're going to get to some of the challenges in a minute. Um, keeping along the gallon of water, what I did is I bought, I actually had two water bottles. I had a 32-ounce Nalgene, and then I had a 16-ounce uh, water bottle that I used for travel because the Nalgene was just a little bit bigger to fit into my backpack. And that thing was with me everywhere. And other than a half a glass of milk when I would drink my breakfast or eat my breakfast, I would not drink anything other than water until the water was done. So back to the intention. I've got a goal of I've got to drink a gallon of water a day. All right. Now, putting anything else in my body no longer serves me because why would I drink anything that isn't attached to this goal? So what I would do in my daily log is I would track when I would finish the water every single day. And for a large majority of the time, I was finishing it anywhere between three and four o'clock every single day. I think the earliest I finished it one day was like 1.37 PM or something. Um, and I never, ever got past five o'clock ever. I don't care where I was because what would cause me to not be drinking my water knowing how routine oriented I am? There's just no instance in which it's like, I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock and being like, Oh my God, I got to drink uh, 32 ounces of water. No. Cause remember we're, I wanted to create such a routine and this was all in priority that I didn't want to be stressing about how am I going to dot, dot, dot. Instead I'm in execution mode. So that water bottle was with me everywhere and I would drink it 16 ounces at a time. And I did this over 32 to build momentum. So even though the water bottle held 32, when I was at WeWork, I would just do 16. And one thing that's a tip that I can share is I wrote down on my daily planner every single day, each of the five tasks. So when mm -hmm. I was done with a task, I would check it off. So when it gets to the water, I know that, uh, by the time I'm actually doing my journal, half my water is already done. So I only needed four little tick marks of 16 ounces of water. So every time I did 16 ounces, boom, 
one little tick mark, one little tick mark until I got all four of them and boom, I was done. And that's the way that I tracked myself to hold myself accountable because I know a lot of people, they forget things and I was leaving nothing to chance. And just by simply having it on my journal and planner, which I'm looking at on a minute by minute basis and seeing that and tracking it, that's how I was able to easily manage the water side of things. Yeah, I basically did the exact same thing. Um, you are probably a little more organized than, than I am with that because there were days where uh, maybe I'd forget like my journal on my desk at the office that I had my tiki marks on. I'd be like, did I do five or did I do six? On those days, I would literally double down and just do <laughs> way more than I thought I needed to. And so I would, you know, I don't think I... I don't think I went past maybe like seven or eight o'clock um, on any given day. Most time I was done by about five or six too. But on those days where I don't know, like uh, I didn't have the water bottle to travel with because maybe I forgot it or like, like the notebook, like there were days that that stuff happened. I would just double down and I'd go, okay, well, if I think I need four, I'm just going to drink six. And I would just chug water, you know, until I knew that I was past the goal. And then I'd get to the office next day and be like, Oh, I was, six in. So I just drank 12 instead of <laughs> what I needed was eight or whatever. So there was, there was days where it was a little unorganized and unorthodox, but you know, I made sure I got it done regardless every single day. Um, the ticky marks help. And then obviously, like I said, having things like the glasses, um, the 16 ounce glasses or 20 ounce glasses around everywhere or bottles is super, super helpful. Um, don't leave anything to chance. Like you're saying, like, you know what I mean? One thing that is very meta, which we're going to talk about, one of the byproducts of drinking a gallon of water, especially in high volumes, is you're going to go to the bathroom a ton. And as we speak right here, I am still drinking water because uh, it's what you do in podcasts when you talk a lot. But I've kept up a large majority of the things from 75 hard. But guess what? I actually have to go to the bathroom right now because I've already drank over half a gallon of water and it's 10 o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> this is something that is undeniably part of 75 hard is if I were to estimate, I believe I went to the bathroom 1 million times. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. I didn't keep track obviously on that. No. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it's it's a lot. I mean, multi thousands and thousands of times. It's it was definitely something that got in the way. I would say at least once a day, I'd have a call or a conference call with the team or whatever, and I'd have to go. Okay, guys, I'll be back. Like I got I got to run. <laughs> it, it was tough, man. It was tough. And it's something that you do actually have to plan for. So here's why. Let's assume you're taking a bus ride from your place down to see an Atlanta Falcons game or a Braves game. And you're going to be on this bus for an hour where there's no exit for you to go to the bathroom. And especially if this is near the end of the day or something, you get trapped. So it's one of those things where you start to plan your ability to go to the bathroom because quite frankly, it's like an every half hour type thing because I'm going to the bathroom and then I'm drinking more water which is just com completely crazy. So one of the things of me finishing early is I didn't want that to interrupt my sleep. So if you're drinking water at 11 o'clock at night before you go to bed, now all of a sudden you're going to be going pee in the middle of the night. I did not want that as a thing. So for me, being done at 5 o'clock 
I wasn't drinking a ton of liquid in the evening. So I traditionally slept very well because I didn't have to worry about that. Did you have any sort of thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, very, very similar. Um, I, I tried to plan around, especially if I had conference calls or something like that. I will say when I traveled, um, you know, because the flight from Portland to Atlanta is pretty long, um, I didn't want to have to get up all the whole time. So I maybe wouldn't drink as much water before. And then I would plan on as soon as I got where I needed to go, I'd buy a bottle of water. Um, I remember staying at my buddy's house and he had these huge, like those huge Falcons cups or whatever. And I would just fill one of those up and make sure I drank all of it um, before I went to bed or whatever and made sure I just got it in. And then at in that point, it's like, if I did wake up in the middle of the night or something, I got it done. And, and I didn't have all of the, the, uh, the issues that come along with it, especially on a plane. It's tough to get up, up and down five or six times on a plane um, to go to the restroom. So there were times where I planned it a little bit more strategic to not have to do it early. But yeah, I mean, mostly just you have to plan for it. You just have to be cognizant of your time and what, you're, what you have coming up next and make sure you get it done. All right. Uh, number four, read 10 pages of a personal development book. This is something I've been an avid reader for a long time. Uh, this was easy and second nature to me. And what they said is, hey, if this is easy for you, be more intentional about what you're reading. Uh, I already take notes on my Kindle when I'm reading. So when I do it, I'm as in-depth with this as possible. Uh, I always made sure to read personal development type books, but I've read 200, 300 books to begin with. Uh, I really enjoy this practice. I always do it in the morning because you're going to hear a lot of common themes. I set the intention for my day and my mindset. Drink water, eat a banana, read personal development book, listen to personal development podcasts. So social media and all these other things were not inputs in my life. 75 hard was the input for the first three hours, right? The first four hours that I was up was nothing but 75 hard personal development uh, did you have any thoughts on the reading side of things? Yeah, the reading, I mean, I think of all the things that I struggle with as far as like timing goes, it was the reading. Um, I mentioned like reading on the train, but I was so used to listening to podcasts and audiobooks and things like that on my train ride. It was hard to break that. So it took me a while to get into the habit of actually reading on the train. Um, so there was a, a while where I would sort of wait till the end of the day to read and it, it became very tough to, to your point, you know, when you're reading before bed, you probably aren't retaining a lot of it. Um, you're probably not able to take good notes. You're sort of, you're sort of half-assing it. And I, I found myself like getting in a mode where it's not like I wasn't getting anything out of it. And a lot of times I would get one thing, like that's sort of what I go through when I go into reading is if I'm going to read something, I want to be intentional about getting something out of it and, and being able to recite at least that one thing. So I was, I was intentional about it in some ways, but I think the timing of it didn't allow me to always, I probably could have read 20 or 30 pages or gotten more out of the book or more out of the, the resource than I was doing. So I would say to Rob's point, you know, try to plan it at the beginning of the day um, so that you're not running into that issue of trying to squeeze it in at the end. I think it's the easiest thing to squeeze in at the end. However, it becomes difficult to really uh, apply the knowledge, so to speak, you know, which is the ultimate power, right? You don't want to just like have knowledge to have knowledge. You want to get something out of it. So 
Yeah, a simple tip that I use, just set a timer on your phone. Uh, I did it for 20 minutes during 75 hard. I do it for 30 minutes now. And when that's done, it's done. So you can be very regimented about it. And I can also be very intentional about it. And it's of note, audio books do not count. This is you have to read the book. And the reason Andy included this is he wanted to cultivate the habit of reading for you because this is something that I am such a believer in. If you take nothing else from this podcast other than read more, holy crap, it will change your life because one of my core values is being a lifelong learner and having a growth mindset. And there's so much wisdom in books that I feel like Neo in the Matrix where he's like, I can learn judo. Like that's how I think about books. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And and you need it when you're in the mode and you're and you're trying to, you know, keep motivated and stay focused and do all that stuff. Reading just helps you. If anything, it helps you just sort of even get out of your own head in certain situations. I mean, it's definitely a lifeline. I've always been an avid reader or an avid learner to your point. Um, I think I, my biggest adjustment was the reading part of it, but I understood the discipline of it. I understand actually the value now of turning each page, getting it out, physically having to do it and not having it read to you and things like that. Cause you can also turn off your brain when you turn on an audiobook. Is it? It almost doesn't register even more uh, than if you're reading it off a page and it's more tangible, you know. So I found a lot of value in doing it as I went through the program. All right, and number five, we had to take a progress picture every single day or post a progress picture. And for me, this is something that I very much enjoyed doing uh, because, among other things, I create content for a living. So it's. I very much used it on my end as a running diary of my 75 hard journey. So every day I was very intentional, one about the picture that I took and two, the caption that I had, because now I can look back and I can see every day of my 75 hard journey and what I was feeling emotionally. And this is something that everyone may have a different way that they think about the progress picture. But for me, I'm like, all right, When I was doing my outdoor workouts, when I was walking around the city, I was always looking for street art or things that would be a good backdrop. And I wanted it to be visually appealing. And then from that, it would be like day one of 75 hard. And then I would get into it or day 17. And I really wanted to share what I was really feeling at the moment, both good and bad, because it was the most authentic and raw part of what I was doing, and these are the things that so often in, in any journey, but I know certainly with you and I on the entrepreneurial side, I like to let people into what's really going on because it's not always puppy dogs and rainbows. So every day I would do that. But to ensure that I, I hit the progress picture every day, when I was at the gym, I would always post a picture when I was done at the gym or with my workouts so that no matter what else happens, I'd, I'd satisfied that. So I almost like doubled or tripled down. Instead of just one picture, I would have the picture from the gym, the IG feed picture, and then I would also have my 75 hard with the emojis when I finished the day. That was also a progress picture. So typically for me, it was three days, but if you're going to do the IG diary thing, uh, I highly recommend go deep on the captions and be very personal and heartfelt 
and hashtag 75 hard because I made so many relationships in the community of people who are doing this because the reason you want to do this is Andy said, we inspire others through our own journey that I wasn't posting it for other people. I was doing that for myself. But when other people see you doing this, man, it inspires them. So I'm curious on your thoughts on the progress picture because I think you did it a little bit differently than I did. Yeah, I, I did it similarly in that I always did it after my workout. Um, there were a couple mornings where I would do it uh, like before I started the day, um, depending on where I was going to be or how, where I was going to end up and things like that. But for the most part, I try to do it uh, right after the workout. Um, and I was very intentional about that as well. Um, and it just, you, you feel better after a workout too. So it was always nice to sort of get that, like that flex zone going, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, similar to you, I didn't do a lot of the content and documenting, which I sort of regretted after the fact I should have been more intentional about that. And I think I will, when we do our, our, uh, our, our level up the next time, I think we'll, I'll, I'll be way more intentional about the content and getting both workouts in and trying to sort of, you know, flex live versus like flex on the back end. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it'll be fun. All right. So what I want to do is get into some specifics from our journey, some lessons learned, some high moments, some low moments. And one of the things that I learned was to embrace the journey. And I'm going to frame this from a low moment. So let's talk about our low moments here. And for me, day 11 was the lowest moment for me of the journey. And they even say the first 10 days are super hard. And you're like, all right, I get it. You're like, oh, I can do this. I'm excited. This is fun and all. But then I put in a 16 hour day. I was at like at an event. I was already up at 4.59 in the morning. And as part of that, uh, I was just worn down a lot. And that day I was like, man, I just don't feel like getting up in the morning. I just don't feel like doing this. And that was without a doubt the lowest moment because I just felt, and I'm only 11 days in, but the, the toll just took its place. And on top of that is the enormity of 75 hard. So at day 11, I still had 64 more days. So on top of being mentally and physically worn down, it's like, man, how in the world am I going to do this more? And what you learn in 75 hard is these are the moments that make 75 hard what it is. And I think I want to make a distinction. This is my lowest moment, not my hardest moment. So I'm curious from you, what was your lowest moment from this? Honestly, yeah, it was, it was at the beginning. And especially in those times where I said, like, I was probably energy depleted. Um, you know, the cold showers and stuff helped. But, like, there is it, – it's a mental game. The whole, the whole thing with this is that it's going to hit you mentally at some point, and you have to sort of overcome that, that hilltop. You have to sort of press that. And, yeah, it's similar. It was a lot of the, the low energy. And, and let's be honest, too. I mean, you run a business as well. Like, things are happening. Like, life is happening. Things may not be going as well as you want. You know, you, you're in a better state overall, but there are still things happening around you, either relationship-wise, family-wise, business-wise. And sometimes as you're going through this energy depletion or, or sort of the confidence stuff, you're, you're also getting hit with life. 
and you have to overcome all of that. Um, I think the first few days, like the first 10, 11, 15 days were the hardest for me. Um, they were just, and I don't know like on what exact day, but I know that there were mornings early on where I would get up and be like, well, it's early enough. If I started over, it wouldn't be a big deal. There was literally that conversation I was having in my head and I sort of had to slap myself and be like, stop, like you're already in it. Just do it, man. Don't let Rob down. Don't let the boys down. Like just do it for you. You know why you're in this. So stick to it. And you really have to focus in on your why you really have to focus in on like what you're doing it for and just get over the hump. It's, it's not that easy, but it is that simple. I guess, you know, you just have to push yourself to do it. And you mentioned one thing. This is a huge tip. If you're starting 75 hard, find an accountability partner. The support is so important because you're so trapped in your head and we're dealing with mental toughness here. So you're trying to overcome the bitch voice in your head. So one of the themes of my Instagram actually became, I would call out when I was being a bitch, like, man, my bitch voice is just screaming at me today. And how did I overcome it in a great way is I wasn't going to let you and Ed down and I wasn't going to let myself down. And none of us want to let ourselves down, but that's actually the easiest thing to let down because it's very comfortable to be comfortable and to quit when you do it, it would be like, Oh, I feel so much better now, but that's, that's not going to become the best version of ourselves. So for me, having you and Ed there also doing it at the same time, man, get yourself an accountability partner because it will keep you on the straight and narrow. And I also need to give a shout out to um, my RTA Accelerator Accountability Group. We had a, a WhatsApp one of a bunch of RTA people who are also doing it. So I actually had two accountability groups going on at the same time. And the other people's energy helps bring up your energy. So when they have a tough day, you pick them up. When uh, somebody else has a tough day, you pick them up. Right. No, a hundred percent, man. I, I didn't want to let you guys down. And I mean, your, 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 your consciousness is like your roommate, right? Like I think the untethered soul, one of those books talks about that. It's like, you can't let that you versus you happen all the time. You have to have some external force that helps you get out of your own head about it, or else you will make decisions that you don't necessarily want to make, but your subconscious is, or your conscious is just telling you like, Oh, it's, it's, it's speaking this narrative that isn't necessarily what you want. So you need that external vibe. You need that external communication with you or Ed. It's, it is definitely a pivotal thing in doing something like this, especially any sort of discipline-based uh, thing and mindset-based thing. It's crucial. So I want to talk about my hardest moment. And this was, I believe, in the 30s in terms of day. And people are like, Rob, why did you start 75 hard knowing that it was about to be summertime in Chicago? Guess what? There is never a perfect time in which you can start this. There is always going to be something going on in your life over a two and a half month span. So guess what? In the 30s, Memorial Day, uh, Mrs. Bacon and I, we go down to Orlando to stay with some friends. So this is the first time that I traveled. And here's the challenge of this. In Orlando, we were going to be going and kicking it on a boat for Memorial Day. And Mrs. Bacon went to UCF, so we're out visiting her friends. So here's how it went. 
We're out. We had a really good dinner, a tapas dinner. Everybody else got something awesome. No joke, I got a salad. I could not believe I was eating a freaking kale salad at a tapas restaurant. They're like, cheesy potatoes, all of this. Moving on past that, then it's like, hey, we're just kicking into the bar with our friends, of which she doesn't get to see all the time, and I'm friends with them as well. So we ended up being out until I think 1.30 in the morning, and I'm not drinking. And at this, at this point, I'm tired, but I, I committed to her. I said, listen, I'm going to be there for you this weekend. I know this is an important weekend for you. Uh, I'm going to support you, and I'm going to hang because I like these people. But nonetheless, it's still a challenge. So here becomes the dilemma. It's now 1.30 in the morning. Do I wake up super early and get a few hours of sleep to do this? Or do I sleep later? But guess what we said earlier? There's about two hours of which I have to account for reading and workouts. There's nothing I can do about it. That is part of it. And this is a party weekend. So out until 1.30, I'm like, all right, I'm going to compromise in the middle. And I think I woke up at like 7.30 or something. So I got less than six hours of sleep and did a uh, tennis workout with uh, the people we were staying with. Shout out to Casey. And that was good and all. It's hot as crap. And then we get back and it's maybe, I don't know, 8.45 or 9 o'clock. And guess what? People are starting to come over for Memorial Day weekend. And they have a pool in their backyard and it's covered. And the last thing that I wanted to do was my 45-minute indoor workout. People are starting to like have mimosas and they're cooking breakfast and people are coming over and we're trying to get out of the lake to go onto the boats. And I'm like, I've got to do this. And I used my Nike app and I specifically remember this and, and shout out to you and Euphoria because you sent me over the yoga pause, these oh, yeah. gloves that allow you to essentially do yoga without a mat. There's... Right there's this like stickiness on there, a grip. And I did a 45 minute yoga workout and it felt like nine hours because I'm dripping sweat. I don't want to be doing it. I'm tired. I want to have fun. People are already starting to get after it. Like we're 30 days into 75 hard. Like every bitch voice is just screaming at me. And I'm just sitting there and and I'm looking at the phone to do my yoga poses and there's the clock on there. And I know how long I have to do because every workout I set a timer for 45 minutes, every single one. So I know when it's done and it's like four minutes in seven minutes in 11 minutes in. And I'm just like, just screaming at me. But then I got through it and I was like, man, this is the hardest workout humanly possible. But guess what ended up happening? I'm talking about this on this podcast right now because it was a defining moment for me of 75 hard and we all have them. When you do something, you dig so deep where everything around you is saying quit and give up and don't do this. And you say, you know what? That's not me. I'm going to fight through this because I know I can and I did. And it's things like that that build momentum that turn you into a badass. Yeah, 100%. And I'm curious what your hardest moment that you overcame was or a hard moment. Yeah, I mean, there were multiple, but um, I can say this happened on at least two or three t occasions where 
you know, with, with trying to get my schedule going and trying to be better about that, there are obviously things that fall through appointments. I cancel things that happen. There was an afternoon where like things weren't going right. Like obviously things are happening in business, whatever, maybe like me and Jeff's in a riff or I'm just not feeling it. Like there was multiple times where this happened and I would have almost this block at the end of the afternoon. And it was almost like the fact that I didn't have anything there almost gave me this weird, like, like maybe I shouldn't do anything kind of feeling. I don't know how to explain it, but it was almost like this laziness sort of kind of overcame me. It was like, yeah, like you don't really have to go do it. Like it's just dreadful. It just, I don't know. There's some weird feeling that came along with it. Well, I would basically ride home or ride to the max and, and, and get on the train, get home. And then I'd be like, okay, well I can sit here and maybe I'll just do a, a beach body workout or maybe I'll just, you know what I mean? Like run stairs or walk around the neighborhood or do something a little bit more simple. And it started to like eat at me and I'm just irritated and pissed off because the day's not going right. And I would get on my bike and ride all the way to the gym. that's like three miles away. And then I would end up playing two and a half hours of basketball. Like the days I would text you guys and say like, yeah, I just played like three hours of basketball. That was those days. It was like where I had this block of time. I wasn't going to use it to do anything else productive. And I just was like, fuck it. And went after it, got on my bike for extra time, got in the gym for extra time, ran my ass off, played ball, probably threw in a lift every now and then I'd throw in a lift and sauna. I mean, it would be the days that I'd work out almost three and a half hours just to like, just to get over that hump of the negativity circle or the negativity loop that's going on in your mind. Um, and that was always helpful. And I'm interested to hear about your experience with like when you, in my experience with, with the physical activity, when I was having a bad day, those workouts always snapped me out of it. And I hear that a lot from people too, but I'm interested to hear what your take is on that. Did you have yeah. moments like that? We're so just like, yeah. The workouts were done early. So my bad day was the beginning. Like it wasn't a bad day, so I couldn't have a bad day. So oh, okay. I ended up adopting a new mantra for myself and it was start hard. And I actually had to reprogram my brain. So is waking up at 4.59 in the morning easy? No, I don't care if I've done it for years. Every single morning is a challenge. And like you, man, like there's times a large majority where I would dread and I'm like, man, I've got to go work out for an hour and a half. You're like, I do not want to do this. Like an overwhelming thing. But yeah. my self-awareness took over and I said, all right, bitch voice, I'm removing you. How can I change this? So what I did is I, I started to name these periods of time. So from when I woke up, um, the first hour that I was up, I called it the magic hour because this is where magic happens. So when everybody else was sleeping, this was my opportunity to say, I'm reading and I'm starting to work out and let this be why I am going to get ahead and become the best version of myself because I'm doing the things that others aren't willing to do. And by framing it, all of a sudden I woke up and I would say, welcome to the magic hour. And I would literally think to myself, magic hour. And, and I already have a practice of when I wake up, I say, today's going to be the greatest day. Um, today's going to be a great day. Today's going to be a great day. And then as I'm literally, it's 4.59, I'm walking to my kitchen and I'm like, all right, the magic hour is starting. 
And by framing it positively, it allowed me to uh, simmer down that negative tone and thoughts. And then on the flip side, I created something called the honeymoon period. So when I got home from my workouts at 7.30, the next from 7.30 until 9 became my honeymoon. And anybody who's been married, when you go on your honeymoon, it's like the best time in the world. It's blissful. And I was like, why don't I have a honeymoon every single day? And having that first form protein shake at 7.30 in the morning, right when I got back from the gym, it tasted like a freaking honeymoon. It was like, I'm nourishing my body. The hardest part of my day is complete. So after that, I get to eat. I get to shower. I get to listen to music. I get to have a coffee. I get to get my day started. And the hardest part of my day was done. So I adopted the mantra of start hard because boom, you get the hardest thing out of your day done right away. The rest of it is easy. I had the magic hour and then I had my honeymoon period, which is more self-love. So that's how I reverse engineered to overcome that for myself. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I remember you talking about the magic, the magic hour. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that. I might have to adopt something like that on this next go around because I, I think I need to be a little bit more structured in that. Um, I think the calendar kept me structured as hell, but like having like those labels and sort of that, uh, that branding that you're putting on each section is awesome, man. I, I definitely can appreciate that. So one thing that I want to talk about is the turning point. Was there any point in this journey that was a turning point for you? And mine was on day 24. So you're going to hear, you've heard a lot of repeating themes of our mindset and the things that we've had to overcome. And the enormity of this was so difficult. And then Andy said something on one of his IG stories that changed the entire thing for me. He goes, you know what? People are hitting me up and they're doing this and they're saying, man, I can't wait to be done with 75 hard. And I was one of those people. I was counting down the days. He's like, you know what else is messed up? They're also telling me this is the best version of themselves they've ever had. He's like, why in the world would you be counting down the days of which you're the best you've ever been? And I was like, he's 100% correct. And on literally instantly, I went from counting down the days to embracing the journey because I now turned every day into, I am becoming the best version of myself. And today is a blessing. So instead of counting it down, you embrace 75 hard. And it complete, it's like going from black and white to color when almost a month of your life is dread and it goes to, holy crap, I'm becoming an optimized being and I'm living for myself and the intention and beauty of every single day. And that was day 24. And that was my Instagram post for the day. And it, it has literally changed my life because I've seen the entire world differently now that I didn't count down the days that I looked forward to each of them. So now when I had 51 more days to go, that's okay because I'm doing one day at a time. Yeah, 100%, man. And, and mine, mine is similar. It's around the same time because I think the ripple effect of you hearing that, I'm pretty sure you either shared it in the, the accountability group personally or you with the bigger accountability group. And I remember listening to that and getting the exact same thing out of it 
And it was right after I came back from Atlanta too. So I sort of had that like, man, I wish I could have done this and I can't wait for this to be over. And I'm screenshotting all the donuts I want to eat and the pizzas and I have all this that I want to do and all these, these cheat meals and all this stuff. And I'm building this whole list of what I want to do and can't wait for it to be done. And I had to check myself too and say like, are you really putting in the effort? Are you really just like waiting for it to be done so you can go, you know, do all the stuff that were terrible habits to begin with? Um, or do you want to continue this journey and treat it with some respect and, and treat yourself with respect of knowing that you're growing into the best person you could possibly be at this moment. Um, because what I started finding too, and you probably agree with this is like the way that I handled problems, the way that I handled situations, all these things were starting to develop without me even knowing it until certain things hit me until I look back. And now I'm like, wow, there are so many situations and things I handled differently just because my mindset was sharpened. Like, you know what I mean? Those couple degrees a day or that 1%, like you like to say that 1% per day just kept, just kept tweaking, kept tweaking. And I started seeing it show up in results. I started seeing it show up in how things were going. And I don't know, it just made all the difference. I don't want to go on a different tangent there, but for sure. Like it was probably the same moment that you had. And then that trickle down effect and that ripple effect affected me as well. So I appreciate you sharing that because that's ultimately affects me too. <laughs> so let's wrap this up with the results. So we've now done this and actually as part of the results, I think it's important to understand what was our mindset at the end and while you're getting closer. So now we're living each day but it's only natural when you get to day 50 and you see 75 hard and then you get to day 60, you're like, holy crap, it's getting there. It's getting there. And I know you and I were aligned on this. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden we pushed harder. If we're doing we're doing 75 hard, we are not going out just checking this box. We are going to freaking crush this. So mm -hmm. with my workouts at some point, I started to add one more rep on my last set of every single one. But then guess what? That was no longer good enough for me. I added one rep to my one rep because I'm like, I've got 21 days. I got 19 days. I got seven. I got 12 days. I got four days. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. Because no joke, you become the Terminator. Like the results that we are seeing the re there's a reason we're doing this podcast and why this has changed our lives because what this does for you mentally is, is absolutely life-changing. It was, I have never been a better version of myself ever, just ever. I'm, I just turned 39 years old. This is the best version of myself. I've never looked better physically, mentally, my business, the momentum started to pick up and it's like, wow, how is that happening? Well, seven years of building bacon sports and then all of a sudden becoming the best version of myself over two and a half months, things start to work in your favor. You're starting to see more clearly things that were distractions aren't there. You're eating better. You're more intentional. You're just every version of yourself. And for me, when I got out of this, I was like, I am without a doubt the best version of myself. I can do anything. And this is something that is going to be with me forever. And when we started the journey, Andy said, 75 days is a small price to pay to change the rest of your life. And guess what? That is 100% true. 
hundred percent, man. Honestly, I don't even want to like cover an entire dissertation after that, but I will say the Terminator thing is a hundred percent correct. I think what this did for me is it set me up to be able to basically go after anything I want to, you know, I've, I've been thinking about dabbling in other businesses. I've been thinking about getting involved in other things. I've been thinking about starting a podcast. I've been thinking about all these things. And what 75 hard did for me is it just gave me that bulletproof confidence to be able to attack things. Even if I fail up front on them, or even if it doesn't go exactly the way I think it's going to go, I'm, I know that I have the strength and the stability and the discipline and all the things that you build through 75 hard. I know I have those built in to be able to get through it, get past it, adjust, readjust, you know, all of those things. So a hundred percent, man, you're, you hit it right on the head. I, I wish I could have just said that verbatim and just left it at that. Cause you, it, it just sharpens your mind to be able to almost accomplish anything you set your mind to. And that's the power of it. It's a mental game. And yeah, it just sets you up for future successes. It's just one stepping stone to get you to the next level and attack something else. And you know what it does? It shatters your limitations. Yes. Absolutely. Shatters everything. Now, there's literally nothing that I don't believe I can do. And we're, we're going to end this in a second, but here's a crazy thing. I have worked out every single day since 75 Heart has been done. So to say you work out 75 days straight, for 90 minutes and people are always like, well, what are you going to do? Are you just going to become a piece of crap afterwards and like do all this? The answer is no, because I become the Terminator and the Terminator does not revert back to being the old person that he was. And when I know that I can work out for 90 minutes for 75 straight days, I've cut it in half where I'm doing 45 minutes every single day. I feel like if I don't do that, I know what my full potential is. It just, it changes your perspective and the reason you do all of this in, in such a, a shock form is because that's what you need to teach yourself the discipline and to shatter those limitations. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. Um, and, and I'll even sort of on the flip side of that because the, the biggest thing I wish I would have done at the end of 75 part two is also plan ahead on what my next habit stacks would have been, things like that. Because unlike you, I didn't start working out or I, I sort of just stopped cold turkey. Like, okay, nope, like I'm done. I'm good. It's not that my mindset wasn't there. I still kept a lot of my habits going, but I wasn't as intentional about working out. I still think I probably have worked out every day since, um, but it took me a week or two to almost like reestablish what I was going to do next versus if I would have planned it ahead of time and been more intentional about it, I would have hit the ground running. And I think you, you, the ripple effect, you sent me uh, a podcast about Andy talking about how, okay, you guys have finished 75 hard, but you're probably getting soft. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it happens. Cause you, you sort of led that creep back in like, well, I'm done, but you have to set the bar higher and then go after that next thing. And as soon as that clicked, it's like, okay, Yep. I'm working on my habits. I'm working on my, the stuff I want to do next. I'm working out more. I'm trying to be more intentional about everything that I do. And even without the me and Rob being on the accountability page on 75 hard, I'm still setting up to when, when we do hit the ground running next month, which he probably hasn't announced yet, but when we hit the ground running again, I'm going to be ready for it. And I'm going to be even more bulletproof than I was when I finished. So you have to keep it going and keep that momentum going. And I will encourage you to do that. 
if you're in 75 part, if you finish 75 part, make sure you're intentional about those next steps as well, or else it can come by you and you get a little soft. <laughs> So wrapping this up right here and 75 hard is part of Andy Frisella's larger live hard program. And uh, you and I will certainly be sharing a little bit more from our journey, but we're going to start phase one uh, in September of live hard. And there's so much more that I actually would love to share about our 75 hard journey, which we didn't even get into, but I want to end it with this, with some final thoughts. And I'm going to let you go first on this. and. Just speak to anyone who is thinking about doing 75 hard or not even thinking about it, just about full potential or anything that you want as these final thoughts on our 75 hard experience. Yeah, and I'll go back to what I said at the beginning, honestly. It, it comes down to, I, if you're like me and, and you're going through a situation where maybe you're trying to lose weight or maybe you're trying to gain weight or whatever your goal is, and you, you're, you're making tiny micro progressions in that, but you haven't taken that full leap uh, into a full discipline, a full commitment to get the mindset, to get the discipline, to get the working out, to get the dieting. Um, to me, the biggest thing, it was I was just making excuses. Uh, it, there, was, there was that level from me being 205 to me being 190. That 15 pounds was my mindset, my, me limiting myself. Um, every single day and just not being consistent, not being disciplined. And so I, I had to commit to something and go all in or else I knew I wasn't going to chip away at that anymore. I had already tried to go from 240 down to 205 and that was a tough journey too. But every step of the way, if I would have just committed to something like this, I would have gone all the way down, you know? So that was the biggest thing to me is, is you just, if you're in a spot where you're not making as much progress as you want to, you need something like this to sort of shock the system and hit the ground running. And that's my biggest takeaway from it. Um, it just was my excuse remover altogether. I agree 100%. That was very well said. Um, removing the excuses. There is no perfect time for you to start. And for me, it becomes everybody can become the best version of themselves. And for me, this program was 75 hard helped me become the best version of myself. And this is something that will be with me for the rest of my life. So if you want to become the best version of yourself and do anything that you can dream of, then commit to doing this for 75 days because it will change your life. You'll meet amazing people. You'll learn things about yourself that you will learn in no other experiences here. I recommend it so much. It was just such a wonderful and challenging in personal development led program that I could not recommend it enough. And I wanted to say thank you again to everyone who supported us. Um, Brendan, you shout out to our accountability group to Ed for being part of that to Arte, to my wife, to my friends, to Andy Frisella, to everyone on Instagram who gives positive thoughts back to us on that, that we're a small example of what is possible. And that's what I love about this. I know everybody else has this in them and just bet on yourself and make this happen. 100%, man. Couldn't have said it better. I, I appreciate everyone that supported me along the way as well. Jesse, um, family, friends, people that I went and visited that didn't give me too much crap. I mean, it's, it's been an amazing journey. And honestly, it's, we're just getting started, man. Like this is just one, like the first level. This is 1.0 for us, I believe. So 
I think the, you know, the sky's the limit. And this is what sets you on that trajectory to go and hit that next level. Um, remove the excuses, commit, and get the job done. And you'll so, be more proud of yourself. Brandon, once again, where can people connect with you on Instagram if they've got thoughts, questions they want to let you know about this episode? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, I'm at Brendan Pettit. That's B-R-E-N-D-A-N-P-E-T-T-I-T. Uh, and then my brand, if you guys are interested in that, is at Euphoria Outdoors, and it's Y-O-U-P-H-O-R-I-A, and then Outdoors. Um, so yeah, that's, and that's my brand. Check me out and uh, you know, hit me up if you need anything. And as always, I would love to hear from you about this episode. Did it cause you to think, take action? Do you have questions for us about our 75 hard journey? I would love to hear from you on Instagram. You can hit me up at Rob underscore Cressy or Rob Cressy on all platforms. And as always, you can also hit me up at Bacon Sports. And boom goes the dynamite.